This show comes to you from the Art of Change Skills for Life. Visit www.artofchange.com to explore how you might grow your communication and leadership skills through workshops, coaching, and more. Plus, you get to work with me. My guest today has worn many hats in her life. From insurance underwriter to professional dancer to the founder of a charity, this journey took her from a cubicle in Philadelphia to a guest of the White House and includes a flag being flown in her honor at Kandahar Airfield, Afghanistan. Her work has been a news feature on ABC, KUSI, and the CW, as well as the San Diego Union Tribune. She has been recognized for her outstanding service by the California State Senate and as one of the top women of the year in San Diego Magazine, the Center for Wealth and Legacy, as well as a change maker at the United State of Women Summit in Washington, D.C. My guest is Jen Abels. I'm Aidan Nepom, and this is The Change Podcast. Hello. <laughs> Thank Hello. you so much for being here on the show, Jen. I'm very excited to talk with you. Me too. I'm very excited. Um, Jen, you, as I mentioned in my introduction of you, have worn many hats. And um, one of the hats that I'm particularly curious about, so in the introduction, you, you have a flag that is flown in your honor in Afghanistan. Yeah. Talk to me about that. Uh, so from 2010 to 2017, I was the founder and executive director of a nonprofit program called Soldiers Who Salsa. And we use dance as an adaptive therapy for wounded, ill, and injured military service members and their families. And as the program grew, we started to sponsor salsa nights in Afghanistan. So, um, you know, it was and still is an activity where, you know, as you dance, you kind of lose sense of the world around you. And I think that's one of the beauties of like getting immersed in art, right? In mm -hmm. this creation. So it's a creation, it's a connection, it's all these things. And the men and women that were deployed were telling me how important it was to them, but they weren't getting support um, from their commands. So I was like, we'll sponsor it. I had no idea how, but we'll figure it out. Um, so we would uh, send t-shirts to them, send CDs to them, just always sending like supportive messages. And one day I went to, oh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get all choked up. Uh, they didn't tell me it was happening. So one day I got this notification that you have a package from Afghanistan. And I was like, what? So I went into like our, our corporate office and opened this thing. And there's this flag and it's got a certificate and, you know, this flag has been flown in your honor over Kandahar. And I was like, I mean, just I tears, like I buckets. I still have chills just thinking about it. I just got chills learning about it for the first <sighs> time. It was not expected and an incredible honor because they were, you know, I couldn't, I couldn't have been happier to gift them something. Like, I felt like what I was doing was so small compared to what they were doing but that it was so well received that they wanted to do something back for me. I was like, wow, like what an incredible honor. What a thing to have happened to yeah. just receive that. that uh, so were you active military or was this a civilian program to, or can, how does, 
How does it work? How does all that happen? Yeah. Um, my father was Air Force. My grandfather was a World War II pilot. My cousin was deployed with the Marine Corps at that time. Um, so I've come from a strong military family, but um, I myself didn't um, didn't serve. So the project came about when I moved to San Diego in 2010. And I actually didn't have a job when I came out here. Uh, no friends, no family, no job. I was like, I'll figure something out when I get there. And uh, I had been a professional ballroom and Latin dance instructor previously before I moved out here. So moving to San Diego was kind of like my own starting over. So I was like, not going to teach dance though. And then I ended up teaching dance <laughs> uh, at, at the Navy base. So uh, Mary Murphy from So You Think You Can Dance. Yeah. I don't know mm-hmm. if you're familiar with the show. So I'm I a was, fan. Oh, I'm a huge fan. So I, when I moved here, I had no idea her studio was in San Diego. So I ended up going there to dance one night. And the long story short of it is that I ended up teaching for her. And then she sent me out to the Naval Hospital for just what was supposed to be a six-week salsa class. And then I turned that six-week salsa class into this nationwide program with 24 locations throughout the U.S. and sponsoring salsa the night in Afghanistan. And also, that's what got me to the White House in 2016. You know, like you do, you go teach a dance class, turn it into a program, have a flag flown over Afghanistan, visit the White House. No big deal. No biggie. <laughs> you know, that's how life goes. I, how do you generally, I mean, when I hear this, I think this, this is a person who gets excited with making <laughs> changes. Um, but let me check that with you. Jen, how do you feel about change as a general idea? Because that's the focus here is like, what? What does that mean to you? What is what is change in Jen Abel's life and experience? Change for me is what's the worst that can happen. So give it a try. Like, and the worst that's going to happen is probably not going to come true. I would rather live going, well, I tried and I failed versus living with the regret of, God, I wonder if. And someone, someone said it to me in a way of, if you, if I imagine my life 10 years from now and nothing has changed, how do you feel? And I was like, miserable. Oh, wow. And I was like, um, so yeah, I have to embrace change. Like it's going to be hard and there's going to be some ups and downs and bumps in the road, but man, to stay stagnant feels It's interesting that you choose the word stagnant where other people might choose the word stable, right? So like prior to this year, like assume, let's assume it's not 2020 and you ask somebody that question. I feel like half of the people in the world would be like, that would be amazing to just like have things stay and be settled 10 years from now would feel really good. But for you, you're like, no, that's stagnant. Yeah. Yeah. It's, and, and I, and I think that that's kind of the beauty of us all being, you know, human beings on this planet, right? Everybody has a different experience. And um, I know some people fear change. Um, and I think that there are scary elements of it, but I'm more scared of staying the same and not growing. So let me ask you this. If you were, so given changes that you choose for yourself are one thing, right? But let's say you have some really horrible change thrust upon you. Do you still have that same feeling? Like it's better to have to adapt to this uncomfortable, unexpected thing than it would be to have everything stay the same. 
Eventually, yes. But <laughs> I feel like I'm also, you know, I'm also human. If something awful changes, I don't love it. I don't like it. But I also know that my way out of that ick feeling is what can I learn from this? Um, you know, what, what, are, what are some reasons this might have happened in my life? It doesn't mean they have to be true, right? Like, mm-hmm. why, why, like, instead of getting stuck in like the why me, it's what could I learn? Um, and it doesn't, it doesn't always mean that I love it, but it does mean that I might've learned something. And like, if I don't, if I can't find like one nugget, I stay stuck and I know that about me. So I work really hard and I joke with Jeff Harry, who, you know, you know, about my superhero power being my silver lining is that I can, I will always, it's going to take me a while sometimes, but I'll always find a silver lining in my situation. Wow. Well, so Jen, speaking of any situation, so one of the ways in which I get really curious about how people process change is I think that there's actually a lot of um, evidence in the stories that come to mind when we think about our fork in the road moments, stories that we choose, and then how we processed those moments. So if you would, Jen, please, could you um, would you tell us a story from your real life, a pivotal moment or fork in the road in which things changed after? Uh, absolutely. And I love that we didn't plan on it, but that we talked about the nonprofit stuff first, um, because that was 2016. And that was like mm-hmm. invited to the White House, um, finalist for Woman of the Year in San Diego. Um you know, change maker nominations, awards, like amazing stuff exactly one year later and almost exactly to this day, three years ago, 2017 was when I resigned from the organization. Um, and it was one of the hardest things I've ever had to do. And like, you know, when I think of resigned, when, you know, when you look up the definition, it's like, to quit, to give up intentionally. And like, those felt like such negative words, but Mm. I had, I really had to, like my body was physically shutting down. My brain was shutting down. Um, I have Lyme disease. um, So stress is, I mean, stress will kill anybody, but I had pneumonia six times in a year. Um, I was- That's six times too many. It's, it's, as it turns out, it is. Um, my medical team was like, like, what is it going to take? You, you can't keep doing this. You can't keep up this pace. And I was like, no, must focus, must have, have to do this thing. I did not take care of myself at all. I poured everything I had out. Um, you know, when my physical health started, like the first time I got pneumonia should have been a sign to slow down. Um, but I, I wouldn't. And like, whatever that stubborn streak inside me is of like, I can't let people down. And I ha- I felt like I was carrying this huge weight and that, um, you know, nonprofits are really challenging. Um, we're re- real heavy on the non part of profit. So I had to work other jobs um, in order to just keep that going. So shifting from teaching all the time, which is where I find my joy and my passion, 
to running an organization, making decisions, finding money, writing grants, things that are not my passion. Um, I didn't fill the gap back in to give myself moments of joy. Everything became um, stressful and uh, overwhelming. And I, like, I literally, like I'm telling people to practice self-care and I'm doing none of it. I, wouldn't, I didn't do anything for myself. It was, I mean, I worked seven days a week and if you had given me an eighth day, I would have also been working on that one too. I just felt so wrapped up in what I was doing that I couldn't see that I was like crashing to this, to this destructive point. Like my doctors, again, my medical team were like, you need to quit. And I was like, I will negotiate with you. I won't quit. <laughs> but I will take a month off and I'll get better. And they're like, this is not what we want. Okay. Um, so I did. And uh, during, that, during that one month, uh, I traveled to Italy with my mom for two weeks. My head cleared up, my health cleared up. I had an amazing two weeks. And on the plane ride back, I started to sob. And I was like, oh, uh, okay. <laughs> the idea of going back into that stress, everything, like I had just spent two weeks, like literally the most magical two weeks of my life. This trip with my mom was insane. It was so incredible. Um, the fact that like I was coming back and crying and, also, and going right down the rabbit hole of depression of like, I can't do this and I'm failing. Like I identified as a failure, not that I failed at a task or that this thing wasn't working anymore. Like I was assigning such negativity to this thing that I just like, we're not even out of Rome and I'm starting to cry. Um, so I was like, mm. for once, listen to your body, listen. So I came back and I said, you know, I, I, I have to make this permanent. And I thought that maybe the organization wasn't healthy because I wasn't healthy. So maybe if somebody healthy or stronger could come in, I could, instead of thinking like, oh, the thing has to crumble, I could pass the baton to someone. I'm like, oh, maybe this isn't a sprint. Maybe this is a relay. Okay, so maybe I can pass it off to somebody else and they can take it. Because either the, or you can focus on the organization's health or yours, but you cannot do both. And it felt selfish to choose myself. And when it was like official, this is your official last day with Soldier Sue Salsa, it's been turned over. I hired a replacement. Um, I, I felt worse than I've ever felt in my life. Mm. Try not to cry. <clears throat> But I was sitting in my therapist's office, like I knew it was going to be tough, right? I knew going through any kind of change, like, whew, you better, you better get a team of people on board because this isn't going to be easy. I built this organization from nothing. So it's like, it's my, it's my child that I birthed out to this world. And it's got all of these people, it's got thousands of people that are going to be affected. And so if you're going to let that go, um, I bet it's going to be hard. So let's start working with the therapist now. I'm sitting on my therapist's couch. She is this close to calling, you know, 
some professional assistance because Jen is real bad. And I had this real, I mean, I, I call it like an identity crisis for me because if I wasn't this thing, this thing that I had blood, sweat, and tears, I have this flag from, I have my certificate from the White House from, I have my magazine from Woman of the Year. If I wasn't that, who was I? And my whole identity was wrapped into my work. And so when my work was gone, I had no idea who I was. And if I didn't know who I was, I didn't know why I should even be. So it started this real deep, that point to me, like that was the lowest point. Mm. And then like that climb up is, you gotta figure out how you got here so that you don't do this again. Um, and also start rebuilding you and not your job. So it was rough. Thank you for sharing that vulnerable moment. I imagine that it would be very rough, very tough to uh, to work really hard to pour so much of yourself into something only to realize that you've got to give it up. And if you apply enough force to anything, it's eventually going to break. And that's what like the stress I just I, I broke and, uh, it, it, it was really, it was really rough. Um, so like when you were talking about, think of like the one moment I was like, huh, I could dance around this. No pun intended. Uh, (laughs) and talk about, uh, you know, getting invited by Michelle Obama to the White House. That's really cool. But that's not, I mean, it's, it is cool. It is very cool. (laughs) It's very cool. Burning out doesn't make that not cool it's still cool cool. it's still very cool and that's part of this process for me of rebuilding myself of also changing the narrative that I was telling myself right the organization didn't fail it doesn't didn't erase seven years of good that we put into this world it's just like you're not going to take away the thousands of lives that we changed and all of the people that we affected and all of the, there's so much good that came out of it just because it ended doesn't negate all all of that. But like, I was so myopic on my focus of like, Mm -hmm. you're a failure, you're a failure, you're a failure, you're a failure that like, how can you get up if someone, someone is always pushing you down and that someone is yourself. Oh, that's a colorful way of looking at that. Um, I, I actually think that most pressure that people experience in their work lives is internal pressure, even if it Absolutely. seems like external pressure. Um, yeah. So I think that that's a like you hit the nail on the head there. How can you rise up if you're the one pushing you yeah, down? It's, it's a, and it's it's also that that part where if I'm looking for outside help I'll never get solve my inside problem like yes I need outside helpers and support but like I have to do the work right like thinking that adopting a puppy was gonna make my life happy and be better um nice try (laughs) she's cute and I love her and um thank god she's in my life um because she brings me joy and happiness and silliness but a therapist um you know whatever your outside source is, is only going to go so far. You can't put a bandaid over a bullet hole, you know? Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I actually, I talk about this a lot with, uh, with coaching clients because uh, it's similar to physical therapy in that way. Um, 
when you go to a physical therapist, I've dealt with injury. And as you're a dancer, I, I'm going to go ahead and assume you've been to a physical therapist at I'm least once. I'm in physical therapy right now. Yeah. Hello. <laughs> um, but you know, they can't fix you. They don't, that's not what they do. They give you exercises that you yeah. then have to take home and you have to do them. And the more that you do them, the, the faster your recovery, um, but also every body is different. So just because you do it three times a day for three weeks doesn't guarantee that you're going to recover in three weeks from that injury. Um, and so it's this, you know, it's the same with coaching and I think it's the same, uh, with therapy, different methodologies, coaches helping you move forward, therapists helping you look back to resolve things, but either way that work, your outcomes are up to you. To you. That's a big, that's a biggie. It's a biggie. That's a it's biggie. Because if I'm in my negative headspace, mm-hmm. then what I'll tell myself is that this is your fault. You're not getting better and it's all your fault. And like, I'm like, wow, you are so mean. Okay. <laughs> maybe could you, could you maybe take a backseat for a second? Um, is there another voice that could come into this? I, I do improv too. So yeah all of the characters uh-huh like, yeah who who else could come into this scene right now because this guy is a jerk yeah uh, what is this scene i'm editing this internal scene why <laughs> still yeah. yeah, still that so for people who haven't done improv training editing is um what improvisers do on stage to end a scene and start a new one and there are lots of ways to do that but you could you could do uh, far worse in life than to simply adopt a strategy of having an internal edit where you're like, you know what? And that's the end of that scene. Time to start a new scene. Yeah, new scene. This one has taken a dark turn or whatever. Yeah. You know? And then like a couple hours later, that same character comes back on stage. Come on. I thought we got rid of you. Right? The audience doesn't okay. want to see you anymore. Yeah. Nasty Ooh. character. Nasty yeah. internal voice. Um, (laughs) I love that. Well, so, so, so this was two years ago. You had this really like bottom. Yeah. Three years ago. Oh, right. Cause we're in 2020. Yeah. Yeah, Right. Um, It doesn't count. So I'll take two. I'm ready to edit this scene as well, but (laughs) well, you know what? I take that back. There are no guarantees that 2021 will be better. True story. True story. There are no guarantees. I hate to break it to everybody, but you should really see what you can get out of right now that is awesome for you. Because the calendar doesn't change the situation. Yeah. Um, But so three years ago, you had this bottom, bottom of the barrel moment. It was energetically a sour place. And uh, what, what steps did you take to start climbing? so many um and in different directions i i had done a lot of work for several years prior i actually had a dance injury in physical therapy for 5 years for a spinal injury um and part a of a spinal that, injury yeah wait I mean, a minute i know i just asked you a question but will you please tell me that story uh yeah and it's it's relevant because it's this, these same parallel stories that continue to happen in my life. Um, professional ballroom and Latin dance instructor, loved my life. I left, I have a degree in insurance and risk management. I know that sounds exciting. <laughs> uh, I was waiting for some applause. Um, 
Yeah. Um, and I left it to teach ballroom and Latin dance. Um, and I felt so grateful. I loved my job. And to be like in your late 20s, early 30s and be like, I found what I'm supposed to do. This is my life. I know I got this college degree. My bad. Um, this is what I'm supposed to do. No, granted, it was it's still a business. Like selling dance was still a business, whatever. But I, so I loved what I was doing. Um, during a dance competition, I slipped and I fell and my partner still had my hands. So I, my hands couldn't break my fall. So my hip broke my fall. Oh. And when I hip, because I don't know if you're familiar with Viennese waltz. Like it's uh, no. like nope. a constant, like constant twirling. It's, it's the dance equivalent of a spirograph. If you remember that game, yep. the drawings when you were a kid, you're just doing a circle as you circle around the floor. So you're spinning in space, but you're also spinning around. So, um, partner's got my hands, I'm spinning. So my lower body is one direction, my upper body is another direction. So if you take a towel and twist it, and <gasps> hold it in half and then drop it, that's how I fell, like on my hip. And so it created this kind of diagonal um, damage where the front of my left hip is what hit but I had a tear on the right side of my abdominal wall. Two of my discs bulged out, um, dislocated my pelvis, um, and I got up and I kept dancing. So yeah. Um, and like I was a competition weekend, I'm in competition mode. Like it's a whole different persona that I step into when I compete, I've got tons of students that I'm responsible for. I'm going to get them through their competition. I have a professional show at the end of the end of the thing. I did my pro show. It was one of my worst ever as I look back on the tape. But like the moment I stepped off the floor, like my whole body just started to like, cool. It's like my brain was like, okay, now that that's over, you got to face some reality. And I was, I cried when my doctor told me I had to take 10 days off of work. And because I, I love my job and we were preparing for my next show and I was like oh man okay, I can take 10 days fine 10 days and then 10 days turned into two months then two turned into six which turned into a year and then I mean five years before I got back to sort of dancing I still I am left with a uh, permanent partial disability from it um tons of therapy in that time because it was another time in my life where my whole identity my whole sense of worth was wrapped up into my job of being a dancer so dancer is gone like my doctor was like it's time for you to find a new hobby and I was like hobby my hobby this is my life and I fired that doctor just so we're all clear um (laughs) but uh but I was like it sent me into, at that time, I, what I thought was the worst depression ever. <laughs> Little did I know 2017 was going to come around and make it worse. But it was that when I'm, I can't dance and I'm physically in pain when I move. And my legs would go numb after sitting for 10 or 15 minutes. Like I was just, it was constant physical pain. The toll that it takes on you physically is one part, but the toll it takes on you mentally to be in constant pain is something I could never have imagined. Um, And I found 
equine facilitated psychotherapy, which I had never heard of, but I used to ride when I was a kid and I love horses and I've always felt like this peace being around horses. And I was like, I'm, I'm at the end of my rope. Every time I'm in my psychiatrist's office and he's like, so what are you thinking? And I'm like, I'm thinking I want to kill you. I'm thinking this is not helping me. What I'm thinking that this wall looks like um, a creature. I don't know. This isn't helping. And he'd be like, so how does it make you feel? Uh-huh. Angry. It makes me angry. So I was like, I have to give this horse thing a try. And I loved it. And it was so fascinating to me that I have to be in control of my emotions and I have the power to also change my emotions. It felt so foreign to me, but like, I was like, oh, I'm so happy to be around these horses. And I'd walk into this pasture and I'd have this like anger and tension and they'd walk as far away from me as they possibly could. They're like, Mm-mm, we don't want to be around oh. that. And I was like, what? I was like, how do I? She was like, yeah, these horses don't, don't want to be around that kind of negative energy. So you've Whoa. got to figure out how to change your energy. And I was like... It's like the plot of a uh, movie, right? Like, the dancer, was, injury, recuperated with horses. Like, what a what a wild ride. No pun intended. Oh, no pun intended. That, so, like, that experience with the horses taught me to, like, get in touch with listening to my body, listening to what comes up. Um, and sometimes I don't know how to change it. Sometimes I kind of just have to sit with it. Um, and that's where I was in 2017 trying to come out of this is like, okay, I don't, not sure what direction to go, but if I sit here silent long enough, I'll hear something, something will come up for me. I'll get like a thought, call this person or read this book. I don't know what it's going to be, but I'll sit here and like pay attention to kind of like the the universe's signs. And my therapist had recommended a book by Brene Brown. Mm -hmm. I was like, yeah, yeah, I don't like to read. Um, And then one of my best friends that I I called and I was like, I'm, you know, I'm really struggling. And I know she's a coaching business. (laughs) Brene Brown. She's like, you ever thought about reading Brene Brown? And I was like, oh God, why do you (laughs) want me to read? I can't read. I mean, I can. Um, So I watched her uh, TED talk and I was like, oh, well, that's really cool. And I was like, all right, maybe I'll read her book. Um, And I've always had trouble reading, like staying interested. uh, Words go all over the page. Like I really struggle to read. Um, And I finished the book like that. And I was like, oh, maybe there's another narrative you have to change. It's not that you can't read, but if something's not interested, interesting to you off you go so like that started to help and there was a phrase in her book of dealing about worth and worthiness of you know in that exactly the frame that I kept telling myself of I'm a failure versus I failed at a thing like the that my no self-worth right is that all of my worth had been wrapped up into these roles that I took on whether it was as a dance teacher, as a performer, as a founder, as an executive director. And I didn't spend any time on what are the gifts that I have that not, that no job can take away from me. Mm-hmm. Like I've never spent any time thinking about those or developing those or spending any time 
like fleshing those out. So that seems like a really challenging thing to try and quantify, particularly when one of your gifts had previously been dance, which you were using in your work, right? So it's like, I often think about that as well as a, you know, part of what I do is I'm a performer. That's part of it. Right. And I've often thought like, what if I lost the ability to move through the world in the way that I do? How would, would I continue performing and adapt? Would I leave performing to do something else? And I don't have answers, but it's a thought I, I sometimes play with because it does seem like trying to identify what are those gifts that make me uniquely me? That's a little bit, you know, a little bit nebulous, a little bit out there. Um, what I, what I did, and this is actually a concept that a sales coach had introduced to me years ago, but that kind of, that lesson came back really strong for me was literally writing out two separate lists. One of my lists is all of my roles, performer, dancer, actor, um, director, all of the things. I'm a sister, I'm a daughter, all of the different roles that I play, right? If I was writing a story about my life, who are the characters in my life? How many different roles for my one, for my one person play on Broadway <laughs> coming <laughs> fall of 2022? Um, let, like, God, how many different roles? am I going to have to play? How many different hats am I going to have to put on? There's all these. Now, what are the attributes of those characters? Not in general, but when they're at their best, like Mm -hmm. when I am at my best, when I thought of like the most important roles for me at that time, like family, you know, when I'm with my family and like, how do I feel when I'm at my best as a daughter uh, or as a sister-in-law, what's coming out of me? Um, and it's, it's this like love and kindness. Um, and I was like, okay, so those are like my gifts that I bring to my role. Right. So, okay. If I want to show up as the best version of myself, I have to make sure that I'm in touch with joy and kindness and love. So, um, okay. My role as an executive director, well, that took my creativity, that took passion, that took curiosity. Um, so instead of focusing on my roles, I started focusing on like these gifts that I have, like I couldn't have created a charity out of nothing. If I wasn't creative, if I wasn't curious, if I wasn't Mm -hmm. kind, if I wasn't all of these things, I'm like, those are my gifts. And I can apply those to any role that I play. So it's, it was, I mean, I say it now, like, just write two lists and you'll be good. Um, <laughs> well, you know, a starting point isn't, a, you know, that's, that's not nothing. A starting point is great. A starting point. And, and I yeah. was like, oh, and, you know, having my coach has actually been really great for me um, to realize that I have a real hard time celebrating myself being like, yeah, I am those things. Um, so he had me ask some of my friends or some of the people that I used to work with in my nonprofit to be like, can you tell me something I do well? Which was really, really hard for me to ask. But um, then they started literally what it feels like to me, giving me back a piece of the gift that I gave them. I spent those seven years taking like this idea, right? And I think of them as like little pieces of glitter, 
and I took these little glitters and I spun them into this fun little orb of a ball and I was like "Ooh!" and every time I would teach I'd like sprinkle you with a little bit of this glitter and you know glitter it gets everywhere right you can't <laughs> have come into my class and not left with some glitter on you so what I don't didn't think about is that those people then took that glitter into their own world and they kind of spun it into their own little things uh, their own little bits of happiness so when I then seven years later come back to them and be like I'm kind of struggling they're like oh, do you need some of this glitter back? Here. Oh, nice. And I'm like, oh, hey, thanks. And then I could slowly start building it back up again, be like, oh, right. These are the things I'm good at. It's not executive director. I mean, that was, that was cool. And it's not mm-hmm. that it's not important, but it's not where I should put, that, put my value and put my worth. Do you still dance at all? Um, I do have a dance party for one every day um in my living room generally with 90s hip-hop um (laughs) but I equally could dance around to Broadway so I love them all but the thing that I'm mostly turning on downstairs in my uh on my from my Pandora is something from my 90s hip-hop channel love that I still do teach like prior to you know the world turning upside down I was teaching like one-on-one I was teaching wedding couples like their first dance kind of things. And oh. that was always super sweet and really cute. So let me ask you this. How do you think your life would be different? Uh, we'll start in the earlier story, which came second. Uh, how do you think that your life would be different had you not injured your back in competition? Good question. Good question. Cause I think I'd still be happy cause I liked my job and I liked what I was doing and what really made the switch for me from like leaving corporate life to doing this dance business kind of life was that I just realized that I am the kind of person who needs to see and feel the impact they're making. I'm, I'm motivated by those feelings more than I'm motivated by a dollar sign. Mm -hmm. And I used to be really envious of, and I can still have moments of being very envious of people who can do do jobs and have hobbies and like that they can, their brain is able to compartmentalize those two things. Um, Miserable, don't love their jobs, but they have hobbies and they have other things and they like, it's important because it's the paycheck, but I'm like, we, I can't. I, I, I need to feel more. I need to feel mm-hmm. like fulfilled by what I do. And like, I've just, I loved teaching. I love dancing. Do you think that um, there would be a difference now in your life if in 2017 you had just decided to buckle down, suck it up buttercup and stay in that executive director role? Oh, I think it'd be dead. Yeah, like I would have worked myself to death. So if you are going to leave people with some words of wisdom here based on your experiences through these things, because I think those are some pretty big differences (laughs) based on those moments in your life. Um, One of them was handed to you. The other one you chose, like not on purpose, but ultimately you chose not to die. You chose to leave this job and allow it to be a job that you had past tense. Yeah. 
So based on these experiences and what you learned from them, what would you like people to leave with today? Like listening to this, walking away from this conversation, what do you want to leave people with? That your value, that your worth has to come from gifts that are already inside of you and don't let it be defined by your job, your role, anything, anything that's like external. It's all got to come from you. I hear it with friends of mine who are going through a divorce and say like, I don't know who I am outside of my marriage mm-hmm. or uh, as a lot of people that I know who's lost their jobs uh, or jobs changed significantly because of COVID that are saying like the same, having that same feeling like I don't, if I mean, but if I don't do this thing, it's what I've done my whole life. Like, who am I? Like we have such a, such a judgment here in the U S because in talking to some of my counterparts overseas, it's not quite as strong here where your value is what you do. Mm -hmm. Um, And it has to be more than that because change is going to happen, whether we like it or not, jobs will come and go roles will come and go. You might even have hobbies that you enjoy now that you don't enjoy five years from now. Like they're going to come and go. So knowing and accepting that those things change, how can you work on these gifts and I, you know, these core kind of identities, how can you let those things kind of come through what you already do so that if they do change, you can just substitute. That's fine. But like, let this part be really strong. Thank you so much, Jen. Lovely talking with you. And I appreciate your vulnerability and sharing not one, but two painful moments, really. Like you, you dug in and you shared that. And I think that um, there's a lot to be learned from from those experiences. So I appreciate you sharing that. Yeah, it's my pleasure. journey suggests some big questions about how we choose to define ourselves in the world. Who are you? Are you your career? Careers change. Are you your hobbies? Hobbies go by the wayside all the time. I mean, I haven't crocheted in ages. Ultimately, you're just you. In my humble opinion, answering the question of who you are in the world or what makes you particularly unique, it's kind of a big ask. Not impossible, but tough. Perhaps instead of trying to figure out What makes you particularly unique or who you are? Instead, you could answer how you are. How do you want to be? How do you want to show up? What do you care about regardless of job, hobby, or network? And what are the values that drive you to do the things that you do? Then as you navigate these changes of job, hobby, and more, you can still just be the best possible you you can be. As always, there will be links, links, and more links in the show notes for this episode available at thechangedpodcast.com. Please take a moment before you go to click subscribe and leave your rating and review of the show. And if you enjoyed this episode, make sure to share it with friends. Thank you for listening to The Changed Podcast. I'm Aiden Nepom, and I wish you the kind of experiences in life you're excited to tell stories about.